so I will try not to uh, descend into uninterrupted weeping on this podcast, but I can't promise anything. I'll, I'll, I'll try and keep it together, but we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. We're of course here to talk about this week's Champions League action. Very dramatic it was. Um, very heartbreaking if you are like me, a Manchester City fan. But never mind. You can't win them all. I'm joined for this one by Joel Sanderson Murray. Hello. And Daniel Cadena Jordan. Hello, hello. And my name is Dan Burke, of course. So, yeah, let's get stuck into it, shall we? We'll start at the Bernabeu, where Real Madrid somehow came from behind to beat Manchester City and booked their place in the final on Wednesday night. I'll start with the question for both of you. What the fuck happened? <laughs> um, I guess it, it was just one of those weird cases of, uh, you know, this, you know, the Madrid myth basically kind of coming back to life. You know, like it's not the first time They've pulled this, you know, game out of nowhere, out of a hat. Uh, and uh, I don't know. It's, like, really hard to explain because it's not like they were dominating the game. They were not dominating the series for that matter. Mm. Um, but all it took was, you know, a little bit of, you know, bling, bling, basically. A little Vinicius, a little Rodrigo, Benzema just, you know, doing whatever he does, uh, which is uh, this game, in this case, proving his argument for being one of the best strikers, if not the most informed striker right now. Um, and that was, I think, I, I don't know, I really can't explain or put into words if it was a Real Madrid thing, if it was uh, a, a Pep thing, like overthinking the substitutes, like changing things to a, to a certain point that he just kind of like fell into the Ancelotti, you know, scheme for the game. Um, but it was just, as always, as whenever it happens with Madrid, it's just odd to like sit there and just wonder... <laughs> How the fuck did they really do this thing? You know? Yeah. I mean, you and I watched the game together last night, Danny. We'd had a, a week of, you know, all this talk about the, the magic of the Bernabeu and, and how Real Madrid had such a amazing pedigree at this level and how the, the tie wasn't over and all this kind of stuff. And I was just kind of, when City were 1-0 up and it was like 89th minute, I was just sitting there chuckling to myself really thinking, oh, all that stuff was just complete nonsense. And then it was almost <laughs> like, it was it was almost karmic that, that they came back and, and did that to me. I, I feel like p- personally responsible that that happened in, in a way. Um, Joel, you're, you're a Liverpool fan, of course. You were you were watching this game. I imagine you were watching this game hoping that City lost. Were you? It, in a way, yeah. Only, only like, and a lot of Liverpool fans will, will share the same sentiments in a way that we, we just could not be arsed. We're playing Manchester City yes. again over ninety minutes um, and possibly one hundred and twenty minutes. But it, it wasn't a case of we, you know. We feel we want Real Madrid because we feel like we're probably going to win that tie because whoever you're playing in the Champions League finals is going to be horrendously tough. But uh, it was a case of, yeah, we can't be going toe-to-toe and going through the trauma of another 90 minutes against Manchester City. But I've actually now had the sentiment after uh, after the way last night played out that Real Madrid's name is on this trophy. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel bad saying that because I'm almost being defeatist about a match which isn't until three weeks away and so much can change in that time. But the way their run to the final has gone and, and the way that last night played out, nobody's going to be able to convince me otherwise that Real Madrid are going to be this year. <laughs> But when you were watching the game towards the end there, when City are 1-0 up and, you know, almost sort of olaying with the ball, you know, I was I was almost booking flights to Paris. I was that convinced that we'd we'd, we'd seal the deal. Did you, did you anticipate Real Madrid coming back at all at that point, Joel? No, absolutely not. No, um, especially when, well, I thought City were managing at the end of that game out perfectly. And I, I didn't even see Real getting another shot away, to be honest with you, because I thought City had a, a really good grasp and control of it. And, and they were creating chances at will. I mean, Jack Grealish has two chances in the space mm. of 30 seconds. And and when the second one doesn't go in, I am, I am <laughs> a part of me is thinking, ah, well, 
will City pay for that possibly? I mean, I, I doubt it because at that stage it's fucking 89 minutes gone. So you're like, well, they aren't going to score two goals. But when the first goes in and, and City kick off very, very quickly for, for, a, <laughs> for the context of that game, and you know, maybe they should take you know a few more seconds and possibly try and play it as long as he can, and, and the crowd is rocking. You all think, and then suddenly you see six minutes goes up, and you're thinking, oh, they're going to get one chance though, aren't they? They're going to get at least mm-hmm. one. It's Real Madrid, and and when the first goal goes in, I am starting to think they they're going to force a way to take this to extra time. Actually, possibly take it to extra time. But up until up until then, no, I thought I thought City were brilliant, deserved to win the game, deserved to win the tie. Had it had played the whole well up until the 89th minute, had played it perfectly, and 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 deservedly got the goal, which was an absolutely beautiful goal as well. Well, really well taken, really well mm. worked. But I don't, I don't know about you, Dan. Did you did you think when they scored the first one that? That when Real equalised, that it's going to play out the way it did. Or well, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't think City did play that well. Really, I thought, I thought they were all right, and I thought they controlled the game, and I thought they were, they were in a sort of, they, they sort of played it in second gear for a lot of the, for a lot, lot of the game, really. And as at one nil, you know, I'm thinking, you know, we've not played brilliantly well, but we've still managed this perfectly. This is a real, a real sort of lesson in control, really, that City have given here. And and, and yeah. I, that was wonderful. I was like, this is this is kind of a dream result and performance, really. Like, I couldn't have, I couldn't have anticipated it going better. And in the build-up to the second leg, you know, obviously the way the first leg went, City could have scored seven or eight goals that day. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that. They didn't. And the, a lot of the talk was like, the ball is a bit in Real Madrid's court here, weirdly enough. Even though they're, they're trailing in this tie, they still have every chance of turning it around. And I was like... I just don't see it happening. I just don't see them not um, them stopping City from scoring for starters. I didn't see them beating us by two clear goals um, either over ninety or one hundred and twenty minutes. I just didn't think that was going to happen. Obviously, when City go one 0 up, I think well that's it. It's done. And then I was almost kind of laughing to myself about all the talk about Benzema as well and, and how, um, you know, there's been all this stuff about him in the weeks leading up to it and the Ballon d'Or and all that kind of stuff. And I was thinking like, he's done nothing tonight, really, Benzema. Like it, it was, it was all, all for nothing. And then obviously he pops up with the, uh, with the assist for the, for the first goal. But even at that point, I wasn't really that worried. I wasn't really thinking, oh my God, this is going to turn around. I just thought, okay, they've made it a bit interesting at the end, but we'll just see it out now, no problem. I mean, in the end, they put the uh, the, the six minutes up for added time, didn't they? And Real Madrid equalised after about one minute of added time. And they very nearly won it in normal time. Like City were just completely rattled by those two goals and just never, never came back. And, and the way that the subs were made in the second half from City as well, I think, like they all made sense at the time. And the, some of them, were, like Fernandinho, had been brought on to see the game out. But, they kind of like cashed all the chips at that point. So when it gets to extra time, it's like, fuck, we, d- we don't have an answer to this now because we're tired. We've got players on the pitch who wouldn't normally be on the pitch if you if you needed to score a goal, really. So it was just such a clusterfuck, really. But I mean, I was going to ask you, do you think, do you think City could have actually done anything to stop it? Do you think, do you think City, Danny, could have pre- prevented those, those two goals at all? I think, I mean, it's what you said. It was like, you know, left hook, right hook, one after the other, and you really don't see it. You're like rattled fully after that. And then it's what you say. You don't have your best s- setup to like kind of come back and, uh, you know, looking for a second goal, which you're really not planning on. Because otherwise, why would you do the changes you did? Mm. Um, it was just a complicated situation. They could have maybe, I don't, I mean, it's easy to say sitting from outside and looking into the game and, you know, I was having a pint. It was all nice. Of course, it sounds very easy <laughs> and beautiful that way, but. I can imagine that everything happened within, let's say, five, six minutes. Uh, five, six minutes is a decent song, a, a relatively long song or two kind of sh- short songs. It's not that <laughs> much time you really have to like 
galvanize yourself as a team. You're, you're talking about 11 different people that are on the pitch right now. You have a coach, a coach shouting whatever the hell Guardiola might have been shouting at that point. <laughs> um, but also, like what I what, what you know startled me a little bit was sort of like the lack of drive of City at those last minutes. Maybe like there was real no push. Like even I, I, not you know not to bad mouth them or anything, but I would have expected them to just you know even without you know any rhythm or any kind of major idea behind them just drive the ball forward and go forward as much as you can and it felt like they were like you said earlier like they were stuck like a gear behind the octopus uh and they really didn't know how to adapt to the situation so i think that was more than the second goal for rodrigo's second goal i think the the, the critical moment were the two minutes just after that which is when madrid yeah. just simply went for the kill in the end and city didn't do that much to you know, kind of shake themselves off and say, you know, what the hell just happened? Let's get back into it, guys. And uh, I think it was an attitude thing in the end what always frustrates me about the, the Guardiola team because they're really good all the way up to the very, very last bit. And then, for some reason, it's like they're playing with, like, a cold heart. Like, the game does not matter. It's not big enough for them. I don't know what it is, but it feels like that from, from like, a neutral standpoint. And it, it really is frustrating. Like, uh, it's not a city thing. It happened with Bayern. It's happened with Barcelona here and there as well with Guardiola. Mm -hmm. it, there's something, like, about the overthinking, the overanalyzing that just sucks sort of, like, the final drive a player might have. Arguably, after 180 minutes like this, City also doing a lot in the Premier League because they're still fighting for the championship. So mm -hmm. it's it's I can understand a lot to deal with, and it's pretty overwhelming. And, you know, they're probably very, very tired right now. But precisely, you fight this. It's like it's like throwing the last game of the season in the Premier League, letting <laughs> Liverpool take the title after everything you've been through. You know, it, it kind of gives you that sort of vibe, and it's just like, Jesus, guys, don't do it again, mate. I'm not ready to think about that today. Come on, I'm. I'm, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, I'm, sorry. I'm in, yeah. I'm in mourning here. <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. Too soon. Too soon. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget your your mate Gabriel, who we watched the game with last night, saying to me uh, at two when Rebel just made it two one. He was like, "You're dead now. You know that, don't you? Like this is it. That they're gonna fuck you now." And, I, and 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 part of me was like hoping, like, "Oh, it's the extra castle, time. Yeah. You know, we'll we'll get through it extra time." But a big part of me was like, "He's right." Like that, we are we are totally fucked here. I mean, Danny mentioned the the kind of overthinking thing with Guardiola there. Joel, was there any of that last night from him? Do you think? I mean, I thought that the 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 team selection that he that he made was spot on. I didn't think there was a lot wrong with the subs. I didn't think there was a lot wrong with the tactics. Do you hold Guardiola responsible for that at all? No, I might actually come to the defence of him, which is which is strange because I, I, nothing I love more than seeing his frustrated little head or big head. <laughs> Big, bold head on the sidelines. But I, I don't think he did much wrong last night, even with the subs. I mean, the starting eleven. if there's any sort of case of overthinking, it, it's maybe bringing Kyle Walker back in when he's mm. not played recently. But I guess he has to do that because he's got to play against, you know, one of the best left-wingers in the world right now. And, and I thought did a decent enough job on him. Um, uh, so, But first eleven was, was absolutely fine. I think the subs actually made sense in in the moment they were they were taken so the Bruyne I thought didn't have his best game and the no, first half is a bit yeah. more effective. But uh, and they're bringing Gundogan on. Gundogan helps play the part for the for the for Ber uh, for Mahrez's goal. He plays Bernardo through in the middle, doesn't he? And mm. I thought Gundogan kept the ball really well and so I think he was justified by that and 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 you can see you can see why he made all the subs he did to try and kill the game off and and you know if the last you know six minutes of stoppage time don't happen then you know, Guardiola we don't talk about his subs right now and and it's it literally does come down to that and you know Guardiola I think that's absolutely everything that he needs to do and he can't really legislate for Ferland Mende making the, the clearance off the line that he did from mm. Grealish's um, 
cross comes shot, let's say, and and Grealish, you know, being denied by uh, by Courtois' leg. Although I think Grealish should probably do better with that chance, if I'm being honest. Um, mm. He can't he can't accommodate for that. Like he can only like I always think with, with coaches, we you know. We maybe place too much of an emphasis on them and, and what they do, and and obviously they they have a huge part in in making their team successful. But I, I'm just trying to think. Was it Julian Nagsman who said it? And I might be getting this quite wrong, but and on who who made it? But you know, he, he says he, he gets them from you know one to one box to the other. He, you know, he's he's responsible for that, but he can't literally stick the ball in the back of the net for yeah. like that. Or kick the ball out. That's what the the players got to do themselves. And they got to take responsibility. And I, and I think. You know, try not to oversimplify what happened much. You know, that men, yeah, that clearance doesn't happen, or Foden is, you know, if there's a Foden on the line who could react quicker if he's uh, come to that and, and taps the ball in, or Grealish managed to stick the ball in the back of the net for the second chance, then, not, you know, we don't talk about this, and Real go up the other end and, and, and take their chances ruthlessly. And, um, and yeah, I'm not sure a lot of this can be put down to Guardiola too much. I, I don't think it's easy to try and criticise Guardiola in these situations because it's, it's kind of a meme. You know, it's Guardiola's got to another Champions League semi final and failed. But I think in this case, I don't think it's all down to him. Yeah, yeah. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, as they say, which is why they're going <laughs> to spend ridiculous money on Erling Haaland to, to make the horse drink <laughs> this, uh, <laughs> this summer, I think. <laughs> Back to uh, Real Madrid, Danny. Um, how do they do it? How did they do it? Um, and is the Bernabeu magic? There has to be some voodoo thing happening there. I don't know about <laughs> Spanish Santeria is not a concept really, but it might as well be after all this. Um, I don't know. I just think that it's about poise. I think they're no matter the season, no matter the players in the in the in the lineup or whoever's like playing for them or coaching them for that matter. There's always this sort of like calm and collected kind of mentality to Real Madrid. You never see them in like panic mode. You can see Bayern in panic mode. You can see United in panic mode. You can certainly see Barcelona in panic mode here and there. But there's something about them, especially like playing at home, that you just realize that they're very much comfortable in their own skin. They feel like the masters of time. And that's sort of kind of why, not everybody, because I wasn't 100% on board with that before the game, but uh, like why many Madrid fans, our dear friend Alejandro included, were like, you know what? We're down. It's, we need just two goals. So what? We'll figure it out. It's fine. And they all kind of act that way. And it's just, it's that demeanor about Real Madrid that it's, it's not a football thing because arguably Ancelotti's Madrid, Madrid or this Madrid basically is not necessarily, you know, the, the most Pinterest or the, the most mm. intimidating team to see play. Besides Benzema being an amazing form in 2022, it's been a rather lackluster Real Madrid, if anything. Uh, last night was not a special game until the 80th minute, maybe for them. They had a couple chances here and there, but it wasn't, you know, like you wouldn't see them play and say, oh yeah, these guys are bound to win the Champions League this season, you know? Um, But it's just, I don't know. It's just, they're just in the right place at the right time mentally. And they understand how time works. They understand that they always have uh, an element of surprise within their team. And that, you know, even though they're not the best team in the world right now, man for man, but they're still quite decent and yeah. they have a Ballon d'Or contender in Benzema who is, hasn't aged a bit, even though, <laughs> you know, time has passed with him. Uh, and I don't know. It's just, it's just hard to fathom because it's such a, such a them thing that unless you're part of that click, that, you know, fandom base or fan base, what do you want to call it? Uh, it's kind of hard to grasp really. Cause I mean, I, I root for Bayern. They're like good in the room league and the usual Champions League contenders always, but 
I never feel calm and collected about Byron. I always know these guys are going to fuck it up somehow. And uh, I just enter the game and I live life that way. Assuming someone's going to rip me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the point being is that they just don't. They're yeah. like eyes cold and they know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And then they just actually go on and freaking do it. So <laughs> props to them, I guess, for you know yeah. follow, following through, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, our friend Alejandro texted me straight after the game last night and he said kudos for a wonderful semi-final respect to City players and Guardiola really we needed to piss blood to defeat you which is a pretty pretty accurate summary of the game I guess isn't it really but yeah you just called your kidney stone but okay yeah. I mean you, you look at the um, the two team sheets last night and you think I was thinking during the game I was like you know if you were to do a combined 11 of these two teams there's probably seven or eight City players in it at least isn't there oh. And just, you know, one or two Real Madrid players, maybe three or four. But yeah, I I don't, I don't know how they did it because I, I, I kind of thought that we'd, we'd get past them without too much trouble. And the way that City played in the first leg where they were pretty much awesome for the most part and still conceded three goals and still left it open. Just there's there's some witchcraft at play there, isn't there or something? I don't, I don't know how you, how you describe it really. Right there, though, Dan, and I'm sort of bringing on to the 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 bit is the being about magic kind of question. Like, I'm not going to try and make this about Liverpool in any way, but I can only speak up sort of like pre- my own personal experience from being, you know, uh, you know, following Liverpool for years and, and and going to Anfield and being very fortunate to to be part of like you know these incredible European comebacks that Liverpool have had, like the Borussia Dortmund, the Barcelona, playing against Manchester City and beating them three nil and in. Mm. in 2018, um, I was very lucky to be there, and 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 sort of the things with Anfield and and bringing it back to Bernabeu in a second, it, there is just a, a bit of a, a weird sense of when you, when you're in your stadium, sometimes you feel something mad's gonna happen, and you can't really explain it. I've read on enough books over you know, over time to sort of like about this, and and people and people who are better writers than me and have a better understanding of football try to explain it and, and even those people can't really put it down to a single simple thing like it's just there's just I don't know if that down to the history of the club and or about of these clubs that there's just something about them that when you're in, in this mood they, they can make something happen even if the teams aren't as good as the others and you know a final example of that is Liverpool's team that wins the Champions League in 2005 plays against one of the best teams in in, in, uh, in Europe at the time in, in Jose Mourinho's Chelsea in a semi-final uh, 1 to 11 Chelsea had a better team but Liverpool somehow got over the line and and the stadium had a big part to play that day and sort of bring that back round to, to Real Madrid I think we've seen it twice this season like last night being one of them and like I would love to to hear from a, a Real Madrid fan who was there last night and if they can sort of resonate with what I'm saying like did they feel that just at one point right something's going to happen here because we are who we are and this stadium is what it is uh, and it's you know can't really explain it because football one to eleven like you just said there City have better players than Real Madrid in, in nearly seven to eight of those parts but um, we saw it with the, the PSG game as well and I think we spoke mm. about it on the podcast after that day that you just knew at one point once that first goal goes in that this stadium's turned there's something in the air this is happening and I think to sort of ask you the question on it Dan like you've heard a lot of talk about Real Madrid and Liverpool and heritage getting thrown around today which. I can understand to a certain extent, but I just wondered from from your point of view, from from a team that's maybe not had that in in Europe in Europe just yet, but probably will go on to do so. Like, do you understand now? And like, like, do you think it's a bit bolder dash, or do you think there's something maybe in that? Like, no, there definitely is. I, I think it, you need the, that experience. And City don't. I don't think we have any players in our team who have won the Champions League at the moment. I'm pretty sure we don't. Uh-huh. 
Scott Carson, yeah. <laughs> he should have played last night. He would have been the difference, yeah. Um, obviously, Guardiola's won it, but, it, you know, it's quite a long time ago now since he won it, and, and maybe he's almost forgotten what it takes. And I, w- I was going to com- come to this question, actually, like, does this prove beyond any doubt what an incredibly hard competition the Champions League is to win? And how the fuck does City do it? It absolutely does, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> City got some of the best players that can walk into any team in the world, and they, and they've had that for the you know the past couple of times they tried it, and they get to the final last year, and they play against a team that you know had been had trouble in the in the domestic season, changed their manager midway for the season, and and didn't win it. It's but. It's, it's, you can't really explain it, can you? Like, yeah. I don't think it's a, a city specific thing. It is just an incredibly hard trophy to win. And whether it's an experience thing or whether it's just, since don't have that now just yet, I, I, I don't know. I, I do think, you know, the sign of Alan Horn's going to help them because yeah. maybe the way to win it is just, just beat teams 8 0 all the time and then <laughs> see what happens. See, see, last season, I think City should have won the Champions League. I think we were the best team in the competition and we fucked up the final. Like, that can happen, you know. It was annoying, but it, but it can happen. Whereas this one, we played really well and still didn't win. And it kind of makes you think, like, what do they have to do to to, to get it done? Maybe it does come down with, with even more experience, maybe bringing a player like that in. I mean, it's funny what you say about the Bernabeu as well, because, like, there's, there's that old cliche, isn't it, that teams are are beaten in the tunnel at certain grounds and, and it's it's overwhelming and it must have a psychological impact on you. But, you know, obviously I was only watching on TV, but the Bernabeu doesn't really seem that imposing as an atmosphere, especially with all that blue tarpaulin around the sides at the moment. It doesn't seem like the cauldron atmosphere of kind of Anfield or, or Old Trafford used to be, really. It's a strange one, but... Yeah, I'm 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 just kind of lost for words with it. Really, I still I still can't believe what happened. It just it felt like having your pocket picked or something, really. But uh, uh, I was going to ask you, Danny. Do you think this proves also beyond reasonable doubt that the the Champions League is the best competition, perhaps not just in football but in sport as a whole? Like, where else do you get as much drama as, as you consistently get from the Champions League? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you can make a good case for maybe some playoff. Uh, series in like the NBA or whatnot, but yeah, there's something magical about the Champions League without a doubt. And I don't mean to sound corny, but it is kind of magical. Like you get you know 180 minutes, and there's what total 11 games in this in this cross. So it's between two of the best, you know, the champion of Spain already and the stronger contender. Sorry, sorry, Joel, uh, for the Premier League uh, this season. So it's you know this is as good as it gets. And even then, it felt wobbly for both sides at one point or another. So it's quite nice to see that still happening and in spite of football having you know this huge debate of where it stands what's what it's become that the champions league when it really boils down to it is nothing but pure and raw entertainment uh, and it's really you know like a really good experience honestly like I, I can't think right now the world cup is also maybe interesting here and there even though nowadays i'm not that huge fan of the world cup or anything but every time it comes around then you you know you pay attention like you drop your pants on like you know stare at the screen a little bit for a little while um, Champions League has that effect. They just like you know, even if your team is not in it, or even if you know, your team has, doesn't have you know a chance in hell to win it that season, you do care, and you're more involved, arguably, than you would be even your own league sometimes. Because uh, also leagues are what 38 games strong. Champions League for a whole season is what 14 games, 13 games, something like that. It's not that mm. much. So, but the effort you have to put, into, to, the effort you have to put to win each one of those games is exponentially bigger. Um, and some teams just have not necessarily in the romantic way of you know the experience and the 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 you know, Champions League runs through their veins. Some clubs like to say some stuff like that. It's just the know-how. It's just clubs have been doing it and playing it year in year out for the past four or five decades. 
they just know how to play this tournament at this point. They just know what it takes. They've been down in the mud. They've been up in, you know, glory, whatever. And I think that in the end is what makes some sense. They kind of give certain teams certain edge in that regard because, you know, players come, coaches come, but they also go. It's just there's something not mystical, but definitely there's like a, a know-how. There's there's a lesson in every season that just allows each club that plays it to understand the motions a bit better, to just have lived everything practically. And I think Madrid does have a little edge in that. I mean, mm. not in vain, they've won 13 of them and they won the first one, first five actually. So <laughs> if anyone has like the baggage of, how, of understanding how this tournament works, how the best teams from different countries play, styles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How to make this, you know, long term, a long term kind of thing, and not a, a successful season, and then stopping. It's Madrid, yeah. and I think that when you do talk about that, you know, lineage or that heritage in sports, uh, it's not necessarily about you know being a dick to the newer teams. It's more about the fact that you know clubs or certain teams have been around longer uh, in certain competitions, or have reached more finals, or played more games total. And I think that just adds up uh, and just becomes part of the DNA eventually because yeah. you just know exactly what to do, when to do it, and how to do it, like I said earlier. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't like that phrase, DNA, but it does, there is something to it, definitely. And, and the DNA yeah. is on the pitch for Real Madrid last night, isn't it? Sure. You've got Benzema, you've got Modric, you've got Crows, you've got players like that. Like City have got fantastic players, but there must be something in it. There must be something to do with the, the lack of experience of winning the competition that means that they they can't win it. It's, it's a catch-22, but there it is. And also, it's, it's knockout football, isn't it? Like, things can happen like last night yeah. and you get knocked out. It's different in a league season. You can you can have a few slip-ups in a league season and ma- maintain a level of consistency. There's, there's not so much so many variables when it comes to league football uh, for some reason. But anyway, never mind. There's always next year. <laughs> and there's always this year for, for Liverpool, Joel. Let's talk about them. Uh, they got the job done with a, a bit of a scare at Villarreal on uh, on Tuesday night, but you're in the final. You're heading to uh, Paris. I want to know, though, how were you feeling at half-time? Horrendous. My head's unstable. <laughs> Jesus. Like... I mean, they, they they started really well, didn't they? I mean, they made that horrendous from the start, to be honest. Like, it's, you know, scoring the first three minutes, and then Liverpool, I think, and and Jan Klopp admitted afterwards, the pressure seemed to have got to the team, and you know, they were, they were putting straight passes everywhere. They were, weren't dealing with the atmosphere, and my my initial thoughts at half time, as soon as the whistle went, is that Villarreal or Liverpool knows a bit, and um, we are being <laughs> Liverpool, because, you know. I've been in games where we've been the underdogs and, and we've had to rely on, on the atmosphere plus also just bringing, te- bringing better teams down to our level and, and, and making them play our game and, and, and they're not being able to, to cope with it and that's what they did because we couldn't get out we couldn't string passes together and then for some reason they were managing to break through our lines with, with, with ease at times and Etienne Capoue was somehow turned into you know prime <laughs> David Beckham with, He was brilliant wasn't he in the first half yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe it. Like, I felt like when he got sent off because he had a game of his life. But, um, but, but yeah, I, I, all I was thinking is that Liverpool, we've, we've been Unite Emery before and that's what it felt like it was happening. Like He's, he's done it to us with, with Severe in the Europa League final in uh, 2016. Um, and then I, I just thought it's, this is happening again. Like we, we were so confident going into it and possibly... You know, maybe complacency has boiled into the players a little bit. You, you like to think that doesn't happen, but of course it can do when you, when you, you know, when you, when Liverpool are, you know, as good as they are. Like, I'm sure that can happen. And, and we just didn't expect what happened from Villarreal and, and they deserve to be 2 0 up. And, and thankfully they, they managed to sort it out the second half. But, uh, 
half time was, was a cold, dark place to be. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I was fucking buzzing at half time of that game because, <laughs> like, I, I, I had no faith in real uh, in VRL getting back into it. And at that moment in time, the very real possibility of, of City playing VRL in the Champions League final, of Liverpool's quadruple being off the table, like it suddenly felt possible to me. And you know. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I don't, I don't want Liverpool to win the quadruple. I will be happy for you if it happens, Joel, and I will congratulate you. But I'll probably cry. So, uh, so yeah. For, 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 for those 15 minutes of half time, I, I was dreaming, and then, um, and then it, my my dream was quickly extinguished. Danny, did you expect Villarreal to to mount a comeback like this after the uh, the way that they they looked really overwhelmed at Anfield last week? Not really. I'm not going to lie. I think. Uh... I wanted it to happen. I'm not going to lie. Sorry again, Joel. But, um, <laughs> There's a lot of people who are not going to lie on this podcast today, isn't it? It's very honest. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we're honest people here, Deborah. Yeah. Uh, no, like uh, I did. I obviously thought Liverpool were, were coming in. You know, not only were they two goals up already, but uh, it's also like a team like Villarreal. They're decent. They're fun to watch, but I didn't really see them mustering anything. Um, but boy, was I wrong. That was a really, really fun first half. But and yeah, but I was just like you. Like halftime was buzzing, and but then you know reality sunk a little bit uh, as soon as the second half began. These guys were just tired. You could tell right off the bat. They gave it everything in the first forty-five minutes just to get back into the series, and then just play calmer, play a bit more, you know, uh, c- containing Liverpool more than attacking Liverpool. And you really can do that against a club team, I reckon. Like as soon as Liverpool got a firm grip of the ball and a firm grip of like the motion of the game. It was maybe not game over for, for Real. They still did a couple a couple things here or there, but like they only had two shots on target throughout the whole match, both goals, which means they went from the forty first minute onwards without shooting on target. So you can't really compete against the actual title contender uh, and not shoot. It doesn't work that way. You have to like push and push, I suppose. But then again, like I said earlier with the other game as well, yeah, uh, it's very easier said easier said than done, especially if you're not the guy involved. Uh, doing the actual deed but uh but yeah i don't know it's a shame because also like the atmosphere in the stadium was just yeah. electrifying it was yeah. amazing to see such a little stadium you know create such a big roar and uh i don't know i had a really i really i had a really fun week of the champions league i'm not gonna lie even <laughs> though my team's not in it i, I did uh, until about uh about 11 p.m last night it was, it was going <laughs> fucking great for me yeah <laughs> of course it was me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the uh, I love the floodlights at VRL Stadium. I love the uh, the hue that it casts on the pitch. It looks it makes the the colours yeah. of the kits really vibrant. Um, but that's a, a little a little weird perversion of mine. <laughs> that uh, first half <laughs> performance from Liverpool, Joel. Do you think that that was a consequence of every match being so big for them at the moment? Like it's a cliche, but every match is a final for Liverpool at the moment, isn't it? Do you think it's just it's taken its toll a tiny bit there. And the fact that they still came back and won the game, does that suggest that they do have what it takes to, to win all four trophies? I mean... I know, you, I know you don't want to be drawn on that, and I understand why, but like realistically, they, they look fucking good for it, don't they? I, I think the, the first part of the question, like I, I think definitely, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if it happens again, that the, the weight of the, of, of the games uh, catch up with them at some point because they've been going... You know, hammer and tongue for for months now, and and they've done ridiculously well to get into this position. Considering you know, in January, it didn't look like they're going to try and win the they do it way off in the Premier League, and to to be in with a shout of of winning four trophies, and to have literally or will have by the end of May played in every single game possible is mm. is is remarkable, really, and 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 a really really good achievement in in itself. But of course, at some stage, like. 
the pressure's gonna it's gonna get them. I, I think it did in the first forty five minutes there, and and you know they realise that they're gonna have to you know find some re- resolve from somewhere. Which your second half they did. I thought second half Liverpool were brilliant, and mm. and the build up for the for Fabinho's first goal was you know one of our best goals of the season, I think, and and the finish itself was was great. But um, I mean the, the sexier part of the question is to the quadruple in it, and then. Um, <laughs> The big Q. <laughs> the big Q. I keep I keep having conversations about it at the moment, and and like for for weeks I've been I've been shrugging off because it's it's been on the agenda for weeks, and and I've been saying there's, there's actually no chance because you know it, it's just impossible to do. It's it's just there's a reason <laughs> teams can't do it, and what I mean, one or two teams have, have done a, a version of it in in, in the past in, in in the entire history of the game, and. Like it's, there's a reason for that, and and but now you know Liverpool have it, like they have the chance to do it, and I still don't think they will, and that's because I just I like sort of trying to be sort of level-headed about it because okay, we're going to two finals, and there are narratives involved in all of them. Okay, let's let, take the the FA Cup final. Chelsea will have revenge in mind because you know we beat them in the the EFL Cup final, um, and and. Liverpool haven't beat Chelsea over 90 minutes uh, in the three times they played them. But Chelsea also haven't beat them in 90 minutes over the three times. So that, that's going to be a game which is going to be really, really tight, tense. And a mistake or an incredible goal is going to win it. Liverpool are more than capable of doing that. Chelsea are more than capable of doing that. Uh, or, and then you get to the Champions League final. Liverpool could dominate that for 89 minutes, be 1-0 up, and Real could score two goals in stoppage time. Like, there's just there's so many little variables that could happen. Mm. And, and Liverpool could play well in all these finals and not win any of them. Or they could play all right in all these finals and, and win them all. And like, if you're going to offer me anything now and ask me where I think Liverpool are going to end up, I don't think they're going to win the Premier League. I think Man- everyone's talking about Man City bottling last night, which I don't think is necessarily the case. They'll make, But that will also make them bottle the league. Uh, they're, they're, they're underestimating the resolve and the mentality of the City team. Like City, There's no way Guardiola's going to let this slip now. No chance. Um, so I've made my piece of that. I've heard those words before. <laughs> In December. <laughs> but I do think Liverpool, I, I'll be fairly confident they're going to win both trophies, the FA Cup and the Champions mm. League, which would be an absolutely phenomenal season and would make me very, very poor come the end of May. But I'm all, I'm all here for it. <laughs> That's what it's all about, isn't it? Uh, going back to Villarreal for, for a moment, Danny, why do you think they, they couldn't sustain it in the second half? Did did that second goal almost come a bit too soon for them? Might it might have played out a bit different if they just kept it 2-1 for a bit, you know, on, on aggregate and, and maybe got that uh, second goal late on? I think it's... On one side, I think there was a tire, like, you know, a fatigue factor there for sure. Second, I do think that um, some, like, probably the speech Emity gave or the plan after, after halftime was a lot more conservative. Mm. Um, because that, that's kind of what happened in the end. Like Villarreal kind of like slowly but surely faded towards the background of the game. Liverpool took center stage. Then, you know, within what, 12, 13 minutes, they score all three goals. Um, then you kind of see where everybody was at that point. And then, you know, I, I just don't really think they did have sort of like a, a game plan. Like, I, I assume, obviously, they aimed at drawing the series, even trying to go ahead in the series. But mm. I don't think there was never a discussion of what happens if we level the series <laughs> within the first 45 minutes. Um, there was not like no game plan after, like for after halftime. Like, we already mm. reached our goal or sort of like, what do you say? Keep them up, boys? Like... <laughs> How do you motivate a team that already achieved their relative goal for the for the match halfway through? Like, what's the next step? And 
not saying Emery didn't discuss or think about this. Obviously, like he's a professional coach. He's coached, you know, arguably in way better places where than I have coached for that matter. Uh, so uh, I just think that, uh, I don't know, there, there was something there that it was not a message that was clear to the players to just say anything beyond, beyond you know, contain Liverpool now because they're going to come out swinging. And of course they did. But uh, I don't know, there was like no game plan or no intention to go for a third goal and just kind of push towards extra time and mm. let time pass and let's see what happens, come as it goes. Let's see what, what we can sort with everything. But I don't know. There was just a lack of direction or not even like a drive that they had right from the get-go because they really knew what to do against Liverpool the first half. And it was very, very clear right off the bat. Why didn't mm. they push forward with that? Maybe the, the situation was different. Maybe this was just a matter of leveling things and then reorganizing the priority, A you know, i.e. You know, not conceding now. But uh, I don't know. It just felt like they're out of wind at one point, yeah. out of ideas on the other. So it's just I really don't understand why they just didn't draw further out of that. Yeah, I mean, let's be fair. They were massive underdogs in this tie, weren't they? It was oh, always sure, going to be sure. determined by how Liverpool played. If Liverpool played anything like the best, they would win. Like there was, there's just no doubt about that, really. And I think Liverpool were quite poor in the first half, got the shit together in the second half, and Villarreal just had no answer to that, really, because how could they? I think Gerard Moreno going off really harmed them because I think they looked a lot better when he was on sure. the pitch. And let's be honest, the goalkeepers had a shocker on three of the four goals yeah. they conceded over the two legs, hasn't he? So <laughs> it was, uh, it, it kind of conspired against them a little bit, but. It it was a, a valiant effort from them all the same. Uh, talk to me about Luis Diaz, Joel. Is he the, the signing of the season in the whole of Europe? Is he the difference between success and failure for Liverpool? Would would they have been in this position had they not signed him in January? I don't think he would be, no. I think he's completely revitalised the, the squad, the team, the club. Like <laughs> It's incredible how well he's, he's fitted in already and there have been a lot of people saying he, he looks like a Liverpool player. Um, doesn't even speak English, does he? No, no. I mean, he left a nice video the other night saying, uh, "See you in Paris." But that's that's the extent (laughs) of it, I think. but but no, he's he's. I mean, and, and I believe I I completely subscribe to that. He does look like a Liverpool player. Like he's completely suited, uh, settled into what Jurgen Klopp seems to be asking from him in terms of pressing and, and keeping his position defensively, and, and then you know going forward. Like I'm not sure whether it's a fact that. You know, a lot of players in the Premier League anyway maybe don't know too much about them or, you know, aren't too in tune with, you know, with football in Portugal and, and aren't quite sure what he's capable of. And because a lot of players, a lot of his sort of right backs he's come up against haven't dealt with him too well yet. And, and, and to be honest, maybe even our Liverpool fans aren't quite sure what he's going to do with the ball when he gets it. Mm-hmm. Like, you think he's always going to try and come in on, on his right foot, but he's very good at taking the defender to the byline and, and beating him there as well. He's he's done that a couple of times and he's just electric every time he gets the ball. And I've heard a few comparisons with uh, with Luis Suarez from a few Liverpool supporters, which mm. I, can, I can maybe see in, in terms of stylistically anyway, but uh, he's just been a, a breath of fresh air. I, I don't think Liverpool would be in the running for the for this quadruple if if he didn't arrive because you know we've we've had to you know deal about Salah and Manny for a bit of time and uh, you know him coming and gave us an option there and and you know Firmino has been injured a couple of times so he's had to fill in a few gaps there and it just makes Liverpool's attack look so much more stronger you know you've now instead of Liverpool for years have had to deal with the main three of Firmino Salah and Manny and beyond that is a big drop off. Now you you drop off is you know sorry your you, your subs or your rotation options are, are Diego Jota and Luis Diaz and it's it's not a bad situation to be in. Yeah. Um, I mean having those three even, forwards to start with wasn't a bad situation to be in really was it? But <laughs> it's an even better situation now. Yeah, 
And he's, he's, he sort of revitalized a, and re-energized Sadio Mane's game as well, which I didn't see coming because I, I like, a, like a fair few fans for when, when Diaz come in, that would probably be the end of Sadio Mane's time at Liverpool because, you know, he's not been informed for, you know, I'd say 18 months and, um, and, and obviously Diaz was going to slot into his position. But Sadio Mane's now turned into a, to a number nine or the, the central striker, central forward. And, and is, you know, he's in better goal scoring form than, than Mo Salah since um, in 2022. Mm. His play has really improved and he, he's had, like, given a different dimension to attack. So it's it's not just the, you know, the effect he's he's brought in himself individually. It's also, he's really helping the team. And it's, it's if we at Liverpool end up doing what, you know, people seem to think they can do and win the quadruple. A lot of it will come down to, to the arrival of Diaz and we don't get through the other nights if he didn't come off the bench and do yeah. what he did. Is he part of Liverpool's best front three now or do Liverpool actually need a best front three? Is it better to just have five players who kind of are a rotating cast like they have? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a horse of course this kind of thing in terms mm. of you know, different players doing different things for different games. Like the Champions League final, I would still automatically be sort of subscribed to to starting Roberto Firmino, bringing him in. Oh, and, really? And then, yeah, I would. I just always prefer Firmino in, in big games like that when you know maybe we're not going to completely dominate the ball and, and we need him to sort of with his pressing because he's still the the best presser um, or the, the, the most adaptive presser in there or the opposition um, in, in that attack like I don't think Diego Jota's got up to speed yet and my thing with Jota is I, I still think he's an impact sub player who will score goals rather than and I've not been convinced of him over 90 minutes just yet um, and especially in recent weeks but saying that Luis Diaz deserves the shirt at the moment every time mm. he plays he deserves to play and you know if Diaz starts in Champions League final and, and, and then you can't drop Mane you've got to play Mane up front and I, you know you're happy with that as well but <laughs> I, I still think it's horse of course and I still think there's a place for, for me you know and there's also someone else we're not mentioning at some stage Divock is going to score another big oh, goal oh god yeah 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 end of the season so which is not a bad situation to be in is it six so you've got six forwards basically that's Obscene, that's isn't it? Really, mate. yeah. That is I feel offended by what it's greedy. Saying. Yeah, yeah. It's greedy. Yeah, just, just greedy. <laughs> I mean, less money than you, Dan. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not talk about that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, to, to think that I was very nearly signed for Spurs as well uh, before Liverpool gazumped them. I'm, I, I wish he had, to be honest with you. Daniel Levy's thoughts. Yeah, uh, let's uh, let's look ahead to the final before we finish. Then uh, I'll come to you first on this one, Danny. Who is the favourite for the final? Would you say? I don't. I don't see a favourite one here. They both have really strong arguments. I think maybe Liverpool has an edge over Madrid because, like, man by man, uh, you know, I mean, it is pretty a similar situation as Man City with Real Madrid. No, like where you could arguably combine, like a combined eleven would have more Liverpool players and Real Madrid players for sure. Mm. Um, having said all that, I mean. Has that worked for anything for anybody at any other given point? Like Madrid can have like maybe one better player per position than the other than the other team, but if they keep on pulling this voodoo bullshit, we're all screwed, aren't we? Yeah. So um, yeah, that's basically that. But I, I mean, I'd say Liverpool, and I'm not gonna lie, I kind of want Liverpool to win too. Um, but uh, Jesus, the thing is, like, if Benzema has a good day, Courtois has another great day because you know we haven't talked about him that often, but. He's having an amazing season, and he's been key. He was just as key as Benzema in this series, I reckon, uh, to reach the final. Uh, and if you know you have maybe a good game here from Carvajal, like he had last night, or like a decent game from Vinicius, Rodrigo, who's kind of like stepping into his role as you know like a decent sub, starting to become a more established name within the Madrid you know hierarchy or the, the team hierarchy, so to say. Um, 
they're really good elements. Like they're not bad players. Or many of them are still pretty young, so we're going to hear about them for a really long time. Uh, fortunately, unfortunately, depending on who you who you root for. But uh, I don't know. I think they have a lot on the table. Having said all that, we just literally spoke about Liverpool having six different players <laughs> to play up front. Okay, so I don't think that uh, to say that Madrid are dangerous because you know of some mystical reason that no one can really fathom or understand. Uh, I mean, Liverpool have tangible reasons to be the favorite in this final. Mm. I reckon. And there's no Bernabal magic in the, in Paris, is there? They can't. Uh, oh they can't, God, no! They, no, they no. can't summon the spirit of the Bernabal this time. Nothing, uh, but, nothing but croissants of the Eiffel Tower for everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Joel, you were saying earlier that you uh, are worried that the the stars are aligned for for Real Madrid in the Champions League this season. But deep down, are you are you pretty confident that Liverpool will get it done? If talking like completely assessing on, on a football sense, I think I I'll be confident in the fact that you know a back this Liverpool team to to win the game outright and 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 to, to to do the job because they've been incredibly impressive since since January and and they're on remarkable form and I think if Liverpool manage to keep you know certain players fit and I mean sort of you know Virgil Van Dijk, Fabinho, Thiago and and Mohamed Salah then and, and Allison of course and Liverpool manage to keep those five fit and the rest of them you can sort of work around and you can see what what can happen there. I, I think Liverpool can win it on the day, but. There is just a little part of me that thinks football is just going to go out the window, and we're talking about a football podcast when really we should talk about a fucking horoscope podcast or something <laughs> because the stars have aligned. I feel, and I'm worried about it because they just have the Real Madrid just had this remarkable, like, mystical run to the final, which is just it goes beyond all logic in any sense, and and you just sometimes in in knockout tournaments. Names are already written on the trophy before a ball is kicked, and there's just a real sick, cynical part of me that feels that Real Madrid's name is on this trophy. But <laughs> if, if we're talking in a football sense and, and over 90 minutes, Liverpool should edge it in a way and, and should have a bit too much, especially when it comes to Liverpool's attack compared to Real Madrid's defence. But we'll see, we'll see. Benzema might have the game of his life, or might only have one chance and takes it, and Real Madrid won, win 1 0. It's Anything could fucking happen, and yeah. it's horrible. It makes you feel sick already. Yeah, well, I'm kind of looking forward to watching it now that my team aren't playing in it. So at least there's that. <laughs> <laughs> How many goalkeepers would have to get injured before Liverpool would have to play Carrius in the final? <laughs> he's, he's still at Liverpool, technically, isn't he? Yeah, sadly, he's not registered for the Champions League. So oh. I think there's more chance of Scott Carson coming back and playing in the final than there. I think there's more chance of Klopp putting an outfield player in goal than, uh, <laughs> or himself than putting Carrius in again, isn't it? Probably like a raffle, <laughs> you look under your seat in the game, you're yeah. number 55 and that's the keeper for the night. Yeah. And uh, a last question for today, I'll come to you first, Danny. Does a player from the winning team of the final win the Ballon d'Or? I, I mean, uh, I don't care I mean, about the Ballon d'Or, but it's, I guess it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think I think it'll boil down to that because the other thing is, is the Ballon d'Or is going to happen before the World Cup for the first time. So mm. the World Cup performance is fully out of the question. There's no Euro Cup, obviously, because there's a World Cup. There's no Copa America. So the whole argument of you know Messi winning winning last time uh, the best or whatever word was he was that he won because of his Copa America performance. You, you don't have that edge now, you know. So it basically boils down to, I would say, one of like a player from one of the two teams that performed the best in the most demanding and the higher level quality tournament that is mm-hmm. none other than the Champions League. I think like it has to be a Madrid or a Liverpool player at this point, I reckon. And yeah, 
I think, well, Madrid is kind of clear it's gonna, it would be Benzema, but who, Joel, or you, Dan, would you reckon could be like a Liverpool player that could probably win it? Like Salah, maybe? I don't yeah, know, I was going to ask you, Joel, if, if, if a Liverpool player was to win the Ballon d'Or, who would be most deserving, would you say? Mane, based off everything since January, um, in terms of you know, what he did with the African Cup of Nations with Senegal, um, also mm. getting Senegal to the World Cup, and the important goals he scored. Um, and then the form he's been in for Liverpool in terms of, you know, if Liverpool do end up winning four trophies, Sadio Mane's played probably the most pivotal role. And obviously it's a team thing, but he's probably played the most pivotal role than anyone uh, in, in the squad for that. So, um, yeah, I'd go as far as saying more surprisingly, because I've not raced him for the past 18 months until <laughs> <laughs> until January, but I, I would say more Sadio Mane than Mohamed Salah. Yeah, interesting. And it's weird how Salah was a shoo-in for the player of the year at one point and, and maybe will still win. I mean, he, he won the Football Right award didn't he did he win the football writers award or i imagine yeah. that yeah he did didn't he? yeah yeah so i don't know if he'll he'll win the pfa one as well because his form since christmas hasn't been that great has it really which is uh was a little unexpected but there we go anyway we'll leave it there thanks lads that was uh that was a bit cathartic at least for me um i, I managed to take a break from crying for for a few minutes so <laughs> It was, it was worth it, I guess. Uh, thank you to Danny and Joel for joining me. We'll be back again with more OneFootball podcasts next week. So take care and we'll see you then. Bye.